Welcome to The Wellspring, where the grace of God is bubbling up for you and for all people wherever you are. The Wellspring Podcast is a digital ministry of Muhlenberg Lutheran Church, coming to you from the friendly city of Harrisonburg, Virginia, where we pray that this time together may truly be a wellspring of God's grace for all people who listen, equipping you with new ways to live out Christ's love. Welcome to the Wellspring. It's a place for grace, faith, life, and of course, you. Hello there. I'm Pastor Alex Zuber. I use he, him pronouns, and I serve as the associate pastor of Muhlenberg Lutheran Church, overseeing youth, campus, and young adult ministry. It's so good for us to be together. This is episode number one, titled, We're All Traumatized. This is the first episode ever for this podcast, and more importantly, the first episode in our study on the book Trauma Stewardship, an everyday guide to caring for self while caring for others by Laura Vandernoot Lipsky. Today's episode covers the introduction of the book, where we discuss the importance of this particular conversation around trauma, and how, in a post-pandemic world, the relevance of trauma stewardship has a greater importance than ever before, not just for those in historically caring professions, but for Christians and all people who hope to bring a caring and compassionate presence to the world around us. Pairing this introduction with a study of Luke 8, 26 through 39, when Jesus encounters the Gerasene demoniac, we'll conclude with some questions for reflection about what exactly we're carrying with us. Hopefully, we'll discover that this humble admission that we're all traumatized will allow each of us to find freedom in which we can care for ourselves and then care for others. Well, once again, welcome to the Wellspring Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Just hearing that welcome and short summary of what lies in store for you in this episode, you may be wondering, what did I just get myself into? I mean, the title is, We're All Traumatized, and I'm pretty sure that's not a good thing. Yeah, you'd, you'd be right. I thought it would be cool to get this podcast started with something light and fun for the whole family. So let's start with trauma. I'm only kind of kidding here. While trauma isn't inherently fun to talk about, I think that there can be something truly liberating about discerning and proclaiming the truth. And at the encouragement of our author, Laura Vandernoot Lipsky, I think this humble admission, as she describes it, is one where we can find truth, peace, and healing. So this whole idea of a podcast and congregational book study came together over the summer when I was reading this book for my own continued learning. As I saw a colleague recommend this book while I was looking for more resources about how to care for the Muhlenberg community in a trauma-conscious way. Because I've been having conversations with other colleagues for a while now about how anecdotally we've noticed the effects of the pandemic in our communities have not just been viral but have been psychological, emotional, and spiritual as well. It's felt like to us more and more we're dealing with trauma responses left and right as we care for our communities. So I was recommended to read Trauma Stewardship, and I started reading as an audiobook over the summer, and it was ultimately one of those audiobooks that I knew was so good that I had to buy a physical copy because I knew I would be rereading it and slowing down with it, marking it up, and most importantly, loaning it out. 
Uh, in fact, this book was single-handedly responsible for the least productive day of mowing my yard that I've ever had because I love to throw on my noise-canceling work headphones, put on an audiobook, and mow the yard. But on this one day in particular, it took forever because I kept stopping to re-listen to great lines and jot down notes on my phone as this idea just started pouring out of me for a podcast where weekly I brought on a guest host from our congregation or from the wider community who is in a traditionally helping or caring profession. And we would break down the chapters of this book. And then we could pair chapters of this book with stories from scripture in a Bible study format because... While this book wasn't written as a Christian resource exclusively, I think the church has a lot of work that we can do in responding to mental health and trauma needs. And then once I got the podcast mapped out, I kept stopping to plan out this whole course of study and a thesis for a doctorate of ministry degree for myself about trauma-informed preaching as a means of community pastoral care. And I started Googling demon programs and how much they'd cost and who I could study with. So the book probably wasn't single-handed in slowing me down. Definitely think the adult ADHD helped quite a bit. But it goes without saying that it was one of my slower attempts at mowing the yard this year. But the real crystallizing moment came as I was listening to more and more of this book. And everything started feeling more and more relevant. And it finally dawned on me to check the publication year. It was 2018. This was a pre-pandemic book. And frankly, everything has changed since 2018, but in a rare exception, this book seems to have only become more relevant. Because as the author says in chapter one, trauma stewardship is for social workers, ecologists, teachers, firefighters, medical personnel, police officers, environmentalists, home health aides, military personnel, domestic violence workers, biologists, the staffs at animal shelters, international relief workers, social change activists, those caring for an elderly parent or a young child, in short, anyone who interacts with the suffering, pain, and crisis of others or our planet. Well, if that's the case, then this book's subtitle needs to change from an everyday guide to caring for self while caring for others to, if you'll pardon me saying, trauma stewardship, an everyday guide to giving a damn. That was kind of my mind-blowing epiphany. This was no longer a resource for me as a pastor. This was a resource for everyone who even hopes to bring compassion to the world around them. Anyone who interacts with the suffering, pain, and crisis of others or our planet? Yeah, that's everyone. Because in a world where, to date, we have witnessed 6.9 million deaths worldwide and 1.18 million of those deaths in the United States alone as a result of COVID-19, we have been changed. But beyond the mass of casualties, the World Health Organization's reported wide-ranging effects, such as the global prevalence of anxiety and depression, increasing by 25%, the documenting of what some researchers are calling the shadow pandemic, where violence against women, particularly domestic violence, increased to unprecedented levels, with estimates reflecting a 25 to 33% increase in domestic violence cases globally. 
Uh, a devastating blow to literacy rates and an expansion of the phenomenon called learning poverty being seen globally, particularly with those in lower to middle class families. The UN reports that four years of progress against global poverty has been erased by COVID-19, not to mention the current state of inflation, global violence, including and not limited to war, racial reckoning within the U.S. and worldwide. Through all of this and more, we have been changed. I know that after I contracted COVID in August of 2020, before there was a vaccine, while over a thousand people were still dying every day in the United States, and I was sick for 40 days and have continued to struggle with chronic long COVID symptoms years later, all because I did a distanced, masked, outdoor funeral for another congregation, but was not told the couple being buried died of COVID and that the whole family in attendance was actively sick with it and only found that out when they took off their masks to come up to me and thank me and cough and smit and sneeze into the wind and confide that they were all actively sick. Yeah, after all of that, I know I was changed. I was angry and sad and I trusted people a whole lot less. And we all have our stories. From being sick, to locking down, to the fear and uncertainty, to widespread death, to political divides, to families and friendships torn apart, to other grief and losses that had to be delayed or dealt with in isolation because of the pandemic still raging, it was a lot. It's still a lot. And so I think there is truth in admitting we're all traumatized. We've all witnessed and experienced a profoundly traumatic thing. And that is going to have an effect on us and those around us, whether we're willing to admit it or not. As much as I wish I could just wave a magic wand and make all that trauma go away, I can't do that. So the question remains for those who wish to be compassionate and for anyone who interacts with the suffering, pain, and crisis of others on our planet... What do we do now? Well, trauma worker Laura Vander Newt Lipsky would suggest that we must become stewards of trauma. Understand how we hold on to that trauma as we care for others and how we can let go of it in a healthy way in order to preserve our own well-being. We're all traumatized. And that is a humble admission that can be life-giving to make. So, that's how we got here. That's why this podcast came into existence with this particular focus for the first episodes. No, we're not starting off with something light. We're leading off with a book and Bible study that is deep and challenging, but it's also one that's asynchronous, one that you can take with you and encourage others to join in uh, at any time. I encourage you to find some community to share these reflections with. Find a, an accountability buddy who will read and discuss with you or engage with us in some of our social media platforms where you can find the Wellspring podcast to keep the conversation going. I hope in the future that we can have further Bible studies or short little prayer services that you can take with you in your pocket whenever you need them or other things that we haven't even dreamed of yet. That's the future of this podcast. It's still being written. But I hope that wherever you are, you'll find that this is a place for grace and faith and life in you, bubbling up wherever you are. Now, this is probably the most context-heavy episode of the podcast because we kind of needed to establish why we're here. So now, very briefly, let's dive into the introduction of the book together. 
I'm going to cover that portion today, and we're going to be looking forward to bringing guest hosts from our congregation and our community onto this podcast to discuss the rest of the book in the weeks to come. So you've still got time to read it, uh, and if you need any help acquiring this book, either financially or logistically, please reach out to us at info at MuhlenbergLutheran.org, and we'll be happy to talk to you about how we can help out with that. So the introduction is called On the Cliff of Awakening and begins with Laura on vacation with her family. Laura describes a beautiful moment with her family while she's standing on this cliffside in the Caribbean seeing one of the most beautiful sights ever, and she says she has two thoughts, that this is unbelievably beautiful, and her second was, I wonder how many people have killed themselves by jumping off these cliffs. Well, she named the latter thought out loud, and her father-in-law responded, Are you sure all this trauma work hasn't gotten to you? And that was the cliff of awakening for her, where Laura began to wake up to the idea that, yeah, she might be affected by all this work that she's doing, which sort of felt like a new thought to her because she thought of herself as the helper. She thought of herself as the one that could be there for others. And she says in the introduction, I finally came to understand that my exposure to other people's trauma had changed me on a fundamental level. I had absorbed and accumulated trauma to the point that it had become a part of me, and my view of the world had changed. In the midst of this, she begins talking about the humble acknowledgement of this, this humility and spirit that she needs to be able to face the reality of what she's experiencing and what she's carrying. She says, I had no access to the humility that we all need if we are to honestly engage with our own internal process. Rather than facing her pain and helplessness, she talks about raging and sharpening her critiques, becoming more dogmatic, opinionated, and intolerant of other views than ever before. And she was using her anger as part of a functioning shield against what she was experiencing. Hardening herself like that did not make her a better trauma worker. And in fact, it affected even these simple moments like the one on the cliffside with her family. And this has begun to open her up to a process of understanding what it means to be exposed to the trauma of others. That there is real and profound trauma that's experienced by people in the world, but then for those that step in to offer care for others, there is a trauma exposure response. This is an idea that is beginning to come more and more to the fore of how we understand a larger social concern rather than as something that affects individuals on a local level. We are seeing this in the family members of Holocaust survivors, as well as the spouses of war veterans. This was documented in March of 2007 in a Newsweek article where a U.S. Army advisory report uh, on the health care for troops in Iraq in 2006 indicated that 33% of behavioral health personnel, 45% of primary care specialists, and 27% of chaplains described feeling high or very high levels of provider fatigue. The article concluded with the blunt appraisal, now homecoming vets have to deal with one more kind of collateral damage, traumatized caregivers. Now, recognizing this does nothing to diminish the real trauma that people experience. No one is going to say, well, your PTSD from war is, isn't something to worry about because my PTSD of your PTSD is the real problem here. This is simply acknowledging that those who step in to help 
are not necessarily immune to the effects of the things that they're helping with. In fact, these things can have physical effects. A study of geriatric psychiatry out of the University of Washington, especially those who are studying the work of caregivers, noted that Many caregivers suffer from high blood pressure, diabetes, a compromised immune system, and other symptoms that can be linked to prolonged exposure to elevated levels of stress hormones. Unfortunately, many caregivers don't seek help because they don't realize that they have a recognizable condition. They are usually so immersed in their role as a caregiver that they neglect their own care. When Jesus says, love your neighbor as you love yourself, that's one that I like to lift up often because... I don't know that my neighbors would want me to treat them the way that I treat myself often. The way that we drive in this effort to help others, we can lose a sense of ourself. And for years, people have been researching and offering experience on trauma exposure response or compassion fatigue or secondary traumatic stress disorder or vicarious traumatization or empathic strain or secondary trauma. There is a litany of terms that have been used for this. But here in this book, we're going to have Laura Vandernoot-Lifsky introducing us to her concept of trauma stewardship. She says that trauma stewardship refers to the entire conversation about how we come to do this work, how we are affected by it, and how we make sense of and learn from our experiences. She defines stewardship as the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. We have, in the work of caregiving, a sacred responsibility to care for others. We are being entrusted with people's stories and their very lives, or we're being entrusted with the well-being of animals or our planet's health. There are many different ways that we can bring caring, not just to people, but to the whole world around us. And it's an honor and a tremendous responsibility. But to participate in trauma stewardship is to always remember the privilege and sacredness of being called to help and recognizing that we might not be immune to the very pains that we are hoping to work with and reconcile in the world around us. So drama stewardship is about this focus on the caregiver. Yes, there is good things that, that, is, that are needed of caregivers, and there's ways that we can step up and care for the world around us. But we also need that internal conversation and that work on how is this work of compassion beginning to affect me? Because our health is tied up in the ways we care for the health of others. So I really resonated with this book right off the bat because when she described a cliff moment here in the introduction, I was drawn back to my own cliff of awakening, which happened, I think, around April of 2022. Um, it was a time I was not doing well. I was getting increasingly burnt out. I wasn't handling some of the very basic responsibilities of my job well, and I was just really not in a healthy place. And I'm tremendously grateful to have a colleague like Pastor Lauren Eanes here at Muhlenberg who could be like the father-in-law on the cliff and say, are you sure all this trauma work, or in this case, this pastoral care work, hasn't gotten to you? Because she lifted up to me in that conversation that, that it wasn't like I was a bad preacher, but there was this really consistent theme in my last few sermons. Uh, they were titled things like Grief. Love persevering, love living, love eternal. And that was a sermon that was on, well, grief. And there was a fighting, fleeing, and following. A sermon on Peter's fear, isolating him to the point of denying Christ, even when Christ was willing to go to the depths of our sadness and fear. And there was death grips and love stances. A sermon on how those clinging to power makes us feel small and isolated. And 
And my Easter Sunday sermon was You Are Enough, a sermon on how grief was truly the lens by which Mary Magdalene was able to help us all witness to the resurrection, even if we were feeling small and isolated. It's not like I'm not proud of those sermons, but yeah, the common theme was grief and feeling small and being isolated. I was hurting. I was drowning, but I couldn't even see it. I was preaching to myself, but that wasn't enough. I needed to stop and to admit that I was struggling and to hit the reset button on my life and health and ministry and try to find a way to come back feeling healthy. I took a time of leave and it was really life-giving for me, but it was so hard to admit that I was not okay, that I was not healthy, and ultimately I was not the pastor I wanted to be. It hurt to admit that the calling that I loved was the thing that was killing me because I had become so out of balance by the weight of all that I was carrying as I tried to meet the trauma of others and be there in love. This wasn't the fault of the congregation. It wasn't solely my fault either because trauma happens. Pain exists. And I simply wasn't carrying it well. Probably part of the problem was that I was trying to continue to carry it. It was the humble admission at the encouragement of a dear friend and colleague that said, I'm not okay. And that allowed me to transform my life. Now, that's not to say that I perfected it. I still work on this and fail at this and obviously continue to read books like this one. Uh, But I like to think that I'm doing better now. I like to think that I have a greater capacity to care for others because I've learned some hard lessons about caring for myself. And as I've reflected on that time, I realized that it was when I finally stopped kicking, I finally stopped trying to save myself from drowning in my own burnout, and finally stuck my hands out of the waters in which I was drowning, that I found that Christ was there and was already reaching out to save me. But I think that all has to begin with the humble admission of how we are hurting or what it is that we are carrying or naming aloud our need to stop kicking in self-preservation. Because in that admission, in that confession, I think we find the hand of grace. So, friends, I hope that this moment, this book, this time of reflection, if you need it, can be your cliffside moment. Trauma is a remarkably heavy thing to carry whether you're carrying it for yourself or you're carrying it for another. Trauma is heavy. And I hope that the hand of grace can extend to you now and over the course of this series to stop, rest, and reflect in a community of grace about the ways that you can care for yourself and let some of this burden go. So in that spirit, I I wanted to take a dive into Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39 where Jesus heals the Gerasene demoniac. It says, Then Jesus and his disciples arrived at the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As he stepped out on land, a man of the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had worn no clothes, and he did not live in a house, but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he fell down before him and shouted at the top of his voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him, 
He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, what is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them to go back into the abyss. Now, there on the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swineherd saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then the people came out to see what had happened, and when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then all the people, the surrounding country of the Gerasenes, asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. So I love this story. This healing of the Gerasene demoniacs, one of my favorites. And I think it's particularly relevant to this conversation. When we talk about the weight of carrying trauma, I think when we carry that weight, when we carry that pain, it isolates us. It, it keeps us turned inward on ourselves. It, it, it keeps us in the place where we can't see the community around us. And just like this demoniac, this man who is possessed by legion, many, many, many sources of pain for him, he is effectively completely cut off from his community. He's running around naked. That was, you know, something shameful that the people wouldn't wanted to wouldn't wanted to have laid eyes on. He's living among the tombs. Uh, there's there's laws that would have uh, about being around the dead that would have been uh, really problematic for him. There's all of this stuff that is that is keeping him away. The people don't want anything to do with him. They bound him with chains and shackles and they leave him. And he, because of these demons, is cut off from his people. And through the presence of Christ, this burden is lifted from him. He is healed and he is relieved of this weight that he's been carrying. He is set free and he's restored to his community. Jesus says, no, 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 you're not just meant to come with me. You are meant to be among your people and tell them what God has done for you. And he, and he does this. He, he's there to continue to share the good news of the liberation that he's experienced at the hands of Christ. And when I think about the ways that we, that we carry trauma, when we, when we take these demons on and try to, try to pick them up off of our friends and our neighbors and carry them for them and, and the ways that we help and the ways that we bring compassion and mercy to the world, well, like the demons, they, they got to go somewhere. You know, they don't want to go back into the abyss. We carry them. And, and I think that when I, when I think about trauma stewardship, when I think about how to carry this, uh, my first thought has been right here to this garrison demoniac, the one who is so burdened and so isolated by all of this pain. 
that the invitation I think we're receiving here to stewardship is not just to remove this pain from the world. Jesus doesn't take the demons on for himself. He doesn't try to carry it himself. He finds swine. He finds his creative outlet. I don't know what your herd of pigs is, but Jesus finds this way of, of letting go of this pain and letting it run itself off the cliff, let it run itself into the sea. And, and I think that's part of what we're going to get into here with trauma stewardship. There are ways that we can care for ourselves. There are ways that we can reorient our lives and focus on the things that matter. There are ways that we can build ourselves up and prepare ourselves to be as present as we can be for those who are hurting and care for ourselves when we begin to experience that secondhand trauma, when we have that trauma uh, exposure response that, that we hear about in this introduction. There are ways that we can let go of this herd of demons um, and, and, and be free of, of this pain because it is our calling to, to meet the pain of the world, to meet these things that isolate and, and divide God's people and to help in the work of restoration, to help in the, week, the work of bringing people back to community. That is our work. It's nothing short of what we see in this story here. And so the work of the helper matters so much. But the work of the helper can also hurt. And, and that's what we're here to address and to, and to focus on and to, to find our way through. What does it look like to do this work of health and healing and wholeness and restoration and grace in a way that doesn't destroy us as we go? So as we wrap up our time here today, I'd like to offer just a few questions for reflection. How have you changed now, we make a case in this episode today that everyone is traumatized, that everyone has changed since 2020. If you take some time for thoughtful reflection, how have you changed in these years? What are you carrying with you? And like the Gerasene demoniac, how has that left you feeling isolated? If it's already happened, what was your cliffside moment? If you've had one, what was the moment that made you realize that things have affected you and that you need to take a step back and find healing? And lastly, what would freedom look like for you in letting go of the pain of others that you may be carrying? I'd like to encourage you to discuss these questions with a conversation partner throughout the week. And whatever you're comfortable sharing, you're invited to offer in, in your reflections in the comments section of our Muhlenberg Lutheran Facebook page, on Instagram at MuhlenbergLC, or on our YouTube channel where you can also find versions of this podcast. So thank you for gathering with us today around the Wellspring. We're looking forward to another episode next week. You can learn more about Muhlenberg Lutheran Church online or by joining us for worship each Sunday at 8.30 and 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern Standard Time with the 11 o'clock service streamed live on Facebook and YouTube. You can join us from wherever you are. Your financial support of the ministry of Muhlenberg makes the many ministries, including digital ones like this, possible for our community. You can make your gifts online at www.muhlenberglutheran.org give. I'm Pastor Alex Zuber, and I'm so glad we could be together today. I pray that God's grace has bubbled up to meet you wherever you are. Now, go in peace to live out Christ's love. <laughs>